1: cheaters and welcome to a new fantasy premier league season my name is josh i'm here with brandon brandon how are you fpl
0: back josh and when fpl comes back so does always cheating i mean it's late july it's late july i i wish it were late july it's it's late yeah (laughs) so the, the site just launched and josh you sent me a little winky emoji via text and i knew what that meant that was like the bat signal going up always cheating had to get a podcast out to mark the official beginning of us <laughs> yeah. planning for game week one,
1: I think what I technically did actually was you and I had discussed it, and I was going to because you know I'm even more obsessive about the launch than you are, and so I was going to text you when the game launched so that you could <laughs> get a higher
2: yeah.
1: uh, team ID number this year. And I think last year you had a, a six digit team ID number, which really <laughs> really haunted you. So yeah, it I, did. Think, I think you were able to you were able to shave. You were able to shave a digit off this year, right? Yeah, I'm at 33.
0: Let's see. Let me pull up my team ID. And for those who who are new to this real wonky business, if you pull up your FPL page, go to pick team, go to your 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 the block with your name in it, hit view game week history. Mm-hmm. And in the URL, you'll see fantasy.premierleague.com slash entry slash. There it is, your team ID. Yeah, the most
1: complicated (laughs) process. They should just let you list it right next to your name because – Increasingly, it's it's become very popular, and the reason where you know people like to have their team ID is that there are a bunch of sites that have set up, like Live FPL and FPL Game Week and and Premier Fantasy Tools. See, Brandon, I'm equal opportunity. I named all three right after the uh, right well done, there. Joshua. They yeah. all give you yeah real time updates on what your rank, like how it fluctuates by every goal, and so the way that they can calculate that for you is by getting that team ID from you. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm three thousand twenty seven. Year, which I feel like is pretty good. I was I was hoping for inside the top 1K, but I just I didn't hit the F5 like fast enough. <laughs> yeah, I love
0: there. this. Team ID is the new overall rank and it's how we're all graded. Like how good of an FPL manager are you? Well, what's your team ID? Um, <laughs> yeah, and but, but it's true. It's true. <laughs> I had a, a six digit team ID last season and I failed to crack into a five digit rank. So I think that there's a, it goes hand in hand maybe the OR and the team ID. So I'm at 33, seven, two if you want to keep tabs, actually go to alwayscheating.com and click the About tab, and you can find links straight to my team ID and my OR history. Josh's team ID and his OR history. You can follow along this season's journey with the both of us.
1: Yeah, and I think that uh, that's a it, one fun thing to do is to. Uh, try to see if you can beat your team ID over the course of a season. So I think that 33, whatever you said, 33 K is, is actually a pretty good goal going into a season, right? Can you crack yeah. the top 30 K? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially now, I mean, there, last year we had more than 8 million players in the game. So um, you know if you can crack you know, if you can even crack the top 800 K, right, you're already in the top 10%, right? Yeah. So if you crack the top 80 K at the top 1%, 40 K top, top 0.5, you know, so on. So it's a nice, you know, nice, like, just sort of, like, goal. So, yeah, my goal now is, I guess, to crack the top um, 3,000K, which, I, you know, I mean, I think it's possible. I finished just outside it last year. I think my over yeah. my final rank of the season was 3,863 overall. Mm-hmm. So it, it can be done. Um, I have cracked it three other times, though, Brandon. So I, one thing I thought, you know, the game launched so early this year. We had more than 50 days until the Premier League season starts. And so it was a little – part of me was like, wow, this seems early. And then another – another more obsessive fantasy part of me was like, this is great. This is, this is so much time to (laughs) not even so much tinker with my team, but just not feel rushed. Right. It's like, I can, I can read articles, I can watch matches, I can pay attention to friendlies and, you know, everything feels so different than it did last summer. You know, last summer we, we, we had nine weeks of the season that were, that were, that were, you know, um, stopped in March. Right. And then resumed in June and then, uh, the season ended. And then you had like a champions league in August and the fantasy game launched during those champions league. It was like the craziest thing. And so we were doing these podcasts and these preseason previous where we didn't even know, like man united and man city weren't even playing in the opening matches right you had four four teams that yeah. weren't playing in the opening matches it was it was you know we had you know the game launched and it was like fulham only had like four players listed yeah. on, their, on, four, their, on their four team. players
0: and no and no kit reveal uh just just yeah. to mention a few yep. of the drawbacks and i i think the the preseason now for the premier league is also buoyed by the euros happening right now and there's one part of me that says, well, there's all this noise around the Euros for good or for bad, and people's footballing attention is divided. But at the same time, as you're saying, Josh, we came into last season and spent virtually all of last season struggling with uh, no fans in the stands, and you could even see it impacting the play on the pitch. It was, um, it was like a bit of a soulless vacuum at times.
1: And even though we, we really enjoyed, (laughs) you lost your, you, (laughs) did you really enjoy it? Because I feel like you, you were, it was like a, like a, I feel like by the end you were fried. I mean, you know, and and I was getting there too. And it was, you know, I I was having a a good season as I, as I've already brought up, I think three times on this podcast, (laughs) but I have to do it a few more times. Um, (laughs) but even even still i was feeling i was feeling pretty uh, fried by the end and um and I, I just don't feel that way at all anymore and i really just think that i needed a month to yeah. uh, you know we, neither of us played fantasy euro which i which i'm glad honestly because you know I'm, i thought the game might launch a little early this year and we've made this mistake before we've been doing this podcast for a long time now and we've done fantasy world cup we did fantasy women's world cup we did fantasy euro five years ago and what ends up happening is you get like two weeks into these and the elimination rounds come around and something the fantasy game launches yeah and you're sort of like wait do i still keep talking about this thing yeah, like right, no one right, seems right. to really care or, anymore yeah. the
0: other thing i wanted to mention about euros though josh is that it's kind of like it's setting the table in a way that i don't think i've noticed before with the summer tournament because we have seen so many fans in the stands at these Euro matches, and yeah, I mean, we're recording this on Wednesday after the uh, Germany uh, shoot. Who are Germany playing? Hungary, Germany, Hungary, Hungary. and and <laughs> Portugal, France, where you had a lot mm-hmm. of reasons to get out of your seat. And as as we yeah. as we sort of like take in all the enthusiasm and seeing the match experience live with the Euros, it's kind of reminded me of oh yeah when the premier league comes back you know fingers crossed uh healthcare being what it is oh, we totally. want, we want it to be uh, happy and hearty and healthy uh i'm just it just gets me more invigorated because that's so much of what we enjoy yeah. and we're going to talk about basically the modus operandi of always cheating is what can we do to make being a premier league fan and being a fantasy manager Fun, And I'll tell you what, Josh, what's going to be fun about this season is having those fans back in the stands, kind of changing the way we're viewing the matches week to week.
1: Totally agree. Uh, I feel like, uh, you know, you can actually A-B test the experience right now because you have the Copa Americas taking place in Brazil where there are still no fans there. So watch a... You know, you can watch a match like the Germany-Hungary. I guess that's, is that the Ari Derby, Brandon? The the Guri Derby (laughs) uh, take place with fans. And then you watch, um, you know, a Copa game in the evening, in the evening here in the United States. And with no fans there. And you really, it just feels massively different. Even, even with half full crowds, it just feels so different. And um, you know, we're seeing it right now in the, in the States with, um, with the U S open and the you know, the NHL and NFL playoffs. And it's, it's great. I, it's funny. I, I feel like I've become, I, I really was a little out on sports uh, over the last year, at least most sports and with the fans back, it's like, I've become, I, I like reverted back to type. It's like I so many are probably feeling this way right now after the pandemic. They're like, we're sort of reverting back to the person we were, you know. Yeah. And like I, I, was, I was like w- I was worried it was I was just gone forever. And it's like, nope, I am I am b- back. And I shook somebody's hand a couple of days ago, right? Like what? I'm I feel like I'm back in so many ways. And one way that it is yeah, I know. I kind of instinctively without even thinking about it. It wasn't like I was like, hey, let's shake hands, you know. Um, but it was like that's how like normal I I it's it's feeling. And and one thing that's come back is I just become like the omni sports fan that, that I, that I, you know, was up until like last March. And so I've just been obsessive. Like, like I've just, I've been in the NHL playoffs, NFL playoffs. I'm watching tennis tournaments. I'm watching all the, all, all the, you know, uh, the various cups that are taking place this summer and, and, and soccer slash football. And it's just, I, I just love it. I'm so, um, I'm just so in on sports again. And I think it's that human element of having people there. So Brandon, yeah. but we can go on about, about all that stuff, but let's, let's one thing that I really like about the season starting early is that we can take just a few minutes here and just, as a quick running order here, um, this week's pod, we're going to talk about uh, position changes that have taken place in, uh, in FPL. There's, there's a number of them that have taken places. We're going to talk about, um, some of the prospects in the newly promoted squads. We're going to talk about player prices, good and bad. We're going to look ahead to some of the opening fixtures and we're going to answer user questions, right? I don't know how we're going to do all this in our, in 25 (laughs) minutes. It feels like we might go a little longer than that. A (laughs) classic, a classic, always cheating promise.
0: This is going to take us 30 minutes, but actually it's going to take us (laughs) two hours. So buckle up everybody. Uh, We're back and we're back in the long form way. This is not, this is not a locker room conversation, Josh. This is, this is high fidelity nope. Josh and Brandon uh, content.
1: <laughs> That's exactly right. And so because of that and because these are long pods and, and we do them every week and, and I, you know, we're, we're basically uh, this is kind of our launch pod. And then um, in early July, we'll be back basically full time doing doing regular pods and and Patreon pods. Um, so just as a, but one thing I wanted to do in this podcast, because hopefully, you know, if this is your first time I've ever listening to the podcast or if you jumped in midway through last season or, or, you know, previous seasons or whatever, just a, a quick like elevator pitch, Brandon, who are we, who are the, who are the cheaters? Who are you? <laughs> Tell me a little bit about who you are in your, in your FPL history. Well, Josh,
0: my name is Brandon Kelly. I hail from mid Michigan here in the United States, just like you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I grew up, I grew up playing yeah. soccer, you know, as if you are a kid in the United States and you don't have the physique to play American football, uh, chances are mom and dad mm-hmm. are going to buy you a pair of shin guards and get you out of the house on a Saturday morning. And that's kind of how I grew up right. and fell in love with the game. And I discovered fantasy premier league in 2010 Uh, around the time that you were also becoming a big premier league fan. And I said, listen, I love football. I, 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 I follow Brian. Brian McBride was my dude and, uh, Fulham became my club. And I said, I want to be conversant more conversant than Mm -hmm. I am in the premier league. The best way for me to do that is to just dive in into this fantasy game. And what I love about FPL, and this is my pitch to anyone tuning in who uh, is just trying to thinking about dipping their toe into the fantasy game, it's like a foreign language immersion program. If Watford is being promoted this summer, you don't know any Watford players, maybe we'll talk about it on Always Cheating. But if you play the fantasy game, a few weeks into the season, you're going to know who the starting central defenders are, uh, who the uh, the midfielders are on Watford that really make the team tick. And that's what drew me into FPL. And I dragged you and our friend Trevor and a few other friends into playing the FPL game. And it was, yes, it was that immersion of getting to know the league so much more intimately on top of the fact that playing fantasy with my friends was just an incredible way for us to keep in touch week to week, get together sometimes to watch the matches and the communal experience of fantasy is what continues to drive me to play the game. If I were just on a deserted Island following the premier league, um, I probably would have tossed the FPL game into the bin a while ago and just watched the matches uh, purely, as we'll get to in a moment. Uh, so yeah, as I said, I'm a Fulham fan. So it's been a very up and down last few years for me. And I'll be honest, Josh, like following Fulham in the championship is a hell of a lot more fun than following Fulham in the premier league. So it was a blessing in disguise <laughs> yeah, when Scotty yeah. Parker got us relegated. Uh, so be it. Uh, my FPL history is, you know, I, I had this run where, Uh, we, we, 2011, 2012 was actually the first season that you and I played. And then I had this unstoppable run of finishing inside the top 100 K. And then it's gotten, the waters have gotten a little choppier for me. Uh, starting in 2017, uh, I was at 112 K, but I had my best ever finish in 2018, 19 with a 10,000, 643 rank. So the goal continues to be: Can Brandon crash into the top 10k overall by the end of the season? Uh, Watch this space. So that's what I'm about, Josh. I'm going to clear the lane for you. Tell the listeners who you are and what you're about.
1: All right, yeah, Josh Landon. I also am from Michigan. I live in Brooklyn. Um, Brandon, Brandon, you well, Brandon, you know, split time. You uh, like like (laughs) many pandemicers. You've you've you found a little a uh, uh, hamlet, or the whatever, city. a little, a little, a little cottage. Yeah, exactly. Um, for the, for the summer. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm from Michigan. I am, uh, I, I grew up, um, I, I would say more of an American sports fan. Uh, and then I really got the bug hard in the, uh, the 2010 world cup was when things really, uh, took off for me. I mean, I sort of approached it. I was, you know, like, like a lot of omnivorous sports fans. I was, you know, I was conversant in, in soccer, but I just, uh, uh hadn't you know hadn't made the full dive and then the yeah, the 2010 world cups sort were of really did it for me and so yeah um but i sort of brought a sports fan's obsessiveness to um fpl and um yeah and so we've been doing this podcast i think for about seven years it's actually preceded both of us getting married and me having a daughter so that's that's long <laughs> i've been doing this podcast for yeah uh, this so is for, season yeah. seven lucky seven that's right. And maybe, and I hope that you, t- you crack that top 10 K this year. Um, my, I have had a little more luck with fantasy. Um, I have four finishes in the top 4k, uh, overall, and, um, I've had two f- top 4k finishes in the last three years. I finished 3,800 overall last year, 77 the year before, and then 1,224 the year before that. And then I have two other top 2,500 finishes as well. So, um, I, uh, but I, I, you know, I'd like to think that as as far as style goes, that I am somewhat unconventional fantasy manager. And I think that will come through uh, on the podcast. Um, At least I I hope so. That's the goal of this podcast. I mean, one of the, and the other thing I want to talk about here is uh, we have an always cheating dictionary, Brandon, that I want to quickly get to Mm -hmm. uh, because it's, it's an important thing. And it comes up a lot on the podcast and um, the, the chief dictionary term is M F F a Brennan, that means make fantasy fun again. But I also think there's a double meaning here, Brendan, because I also think it can mean make football fun again. And I think <laughs> yeah. that for a lot of people, if you get really, if you're really bummed out by the cynicism of the Super League stuff or by, in my case, I'm an Arsenal supporter and I'm just really bummed out and worn out by the Cronkies, right? Mm-hmm. And just not feeling like they're super committed to to my club. Um, I, you know, if you get into fantasy and you have these competitive mini leagues and you have all these kind of stakes that you're shooting for that you get to create your own experience within the premier league, right? The premier league then becomes sort of like, you know, it's like, it's like a, I don't even know what the, what the metaphor would be here, but basically it's like, you can just sort of take what you want out of it, right? You can sort of, you can watch any match at any time can suddenly become a fun and exciting match for you if, if the stakes are high enough. And yeah. uh, I think that's that's really where, you know, fantasy becomes fun. I mean, you mentioned before, I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, by the time the season starts, we're doing a dedicated podcast in a couple of weeks on the promoted clubs, right? There, if I was just a normal fan and I was not into fantasy, I would go into the season knowing between one, like between like zero and three player. I mean, maybe a little different just because we have Norwich and and Wofford coming back. But, you know, I just would not be conversant. And and to me, it's really fun. I mean, I'm just the sort of sports fan or kind of everything fan. You know, if I get into records, I'm suddenly, I'm I'm like, I have to own hundreds of records. You know, it's like, just one of those people that I have to dive into whatever I'm into. And so, you know, if you get into the Premier League and you want to really get into it, the fantasy game is just a great way to become really into it. And suddenly you'll find yourself on wikipedia pages read about like the champions league final from 1994 which you know i do all the
0: time now it's funny you say that because that's one of the reasons i've never gotten into jazz or baseball because those are two Uh things that are like elite (laughs) levels of you can't just you can't just go half in you're either a a fan of jazz all the way through and suddenly you've just spent five thousand dollars on on vinyl you, or you're a baseball fan and you know, ERA is from, uh, you know, fat guys. Uh, so I, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I am totally with you. Suddenly you, you find that one lane and God, the premier league is what a beautiful lane to be in where you can just uh, be consumed by all the, the, whether you're oh, a yeah. data, whether you're a data person, whether you're an I I watch person, I'm going to pick my fantasy team just based on my gut and what I see on my TV week to week, or I'm going to check the stats pages, etc. There's something there for everybody. And yeah, I, I hope as we talk this season, Josh, we provide that, you know, whether it's that type of stats insight you're looking for, or whether it's the eye test looking, uh, you're looking for, or whether it's genuine, genuinely just having fun. And like what I love about us getting together, podcasting every week is these are the conversations that I'd want to be having with any friend. And so if you're, if you're that person out there listening who none of their friends, uh, watch the premier league, we will be your friends. We're here (laughs) to be your fpl partners
1: that's that's definitely true and especially i mean you and i have a a patreon group um if you want to support the pod or join the group it's patreon.com always cheating and there are people in there you know we've been running that for a few years now and like people who have like spawned actual friendships with each other people who hang out outside of this group um you know just it's a a really nice community especially all these people kind of hang out and talk on the slack every every day um and so uh i think that really is what the mffa make fantasy fun again ethos is all about second term i want to talk about in the always cheating dictionary brandon is a bus team now what brandon is a bus team
0: Well, of course, everybody has to embrace public transportation. If we clog all of the streets and highways with individual automobiles, where would we be? So there you are waiting for a bus. And God forbid this bus would careen into you and injure you and put you into the hospital. What is your worst nightmare? You wake up from a coma after getting struck by a bus and you realize the game week deadline has passed. So... We have coined the term bus team because every, every when every game week begins, a new game week transfer window opens up. So the deadline passes and suddenly you can set your team for the next deadline. So what we preach on Always Cheating is to set your bus team because you never know when whether you get struck by a bus and send you into a coma or whether suddenly your boss sends you on a work trip or your uh, child's uh, demands that you go, out. Uh, uh, I don't know, I'm coming up with all sorts of convoluted excuses here, Josh. The point is, <laughs> you got to make sure your team is in somewhat good shape for that upcoming uh, game week deadline. And you do that as early as possible, set that bus team. And I think that there is also, there's a practical element there, but there is also Uh, a strategic element because if you make a point to set your bus team very early on a week before the upcoming deadline it is a great reference point to what your thinking was uh very early in the week and we can talk a little bit about noise that exists in the fantasy community as the week progresses and people uh, careen toward the next deadline. Lots of ideas will be floated around and you could be susceptible to some groupthink. And if you'd set that bus team, more often than not, Josh, I think you agree with this, is when you set your bus team, usually uh, that team is set solely based on your own thoughts and feelings and opinions, which is often a great place to be. There's little bias that's baked into the bus team. And so as you get right up next to the deadline, remember how your bus team looked, what changed? Did it change for the right reason? Did it change because you got sucked into some sort of other way of thinking that maybe isn't the route that you wanted to go? Um, So I I think that's definitely something that I want to interrogate through the course of the season is, is my bus team versus where I land in the game week deadline, because a weakness that I feel that I had last season was being susceptible to some outside influences. Well, I don't think all outside influences are necessarily bad. I do think that you want to be conscious of, of setting your own terms because regret is a terrible thing in fantasy, uh, regret that, uh, you lost because you made a choice that wasn't your own. If I have a bad game week because totally. of choices I made, that's that's much easier for me to swallow. So that's that's a that's actually probably the broadest definition or the narrowest definition, uh, actually, of a bus team yeah. we've ever. given. I don't
1: think we've ever given bus team, yeah, such a beautiful, uh, beautiful and <laughs> thorough definition. It is a, see so. In short, it is a very morbid term that has a very, uh, strategic, um, uh, quality to it. So that, that is what bus team is. And then finally, uh, pure watch, uh, which is another term that uh, we throw around a lot on the pod. That basically means, um, a match where the ownership percentages of the players in that match are so low that you get to actually enjoy the match and not think about the fantasy implications. So, um, Every, you know, it won't even happen every week, Brendan. No. Maybe once a month you'll get a proper pure watch. But that's the that's the time, Brendan. It's, it's, it's kick, you know, get the ottoman, you know, <laughs> kick back, watch that match. Remember what it was like to watch a match without fantasy. That is yeah. what a pure watch is.
0: Yeah. And you know you're a hardcore FPL manager when a a match – You'd think a match would be a pure watch because you have no fantasy assets in either team, but you become exceptionally hardcore when you don't have any fantasy players in action, but you're suddenly calculating the odds of other teams, uh, of other FPL managers assets in play. Uh, There's a rare pure watch where it's probably like, uh, well, I'm I'm curious to see which teams they are this season where no one will have any players from them. Who will be the West Brom?
1: That's a good question. Yeah, maybe like a Watford-Crystal Palace match early on, something like that. That might be our first our first peer watch this season. I, I need to know my, my fixture calendar a little better before I can answer that question. Um, so that's a little bit about who we are. And then just briefly, Brandon, you already started to talk about this a little bit, but uh, what, and I think this is useful for any manager, it's it's good to have a couple of benchmarks for yourself. These could be, um, uh, you know, maybe the way of, you know, an actual goal, like an overall rank goal or a way that you want to play this season or something you want to do better. Yeah. So Brandon, what are your goals for this season?
0: Yeah, my uh, this is something that you kept telling me last season, and I, I I have carried it through the summer to be a more optimistic manager. And I have a I don't know if you'd call it pessimistic or skept or a level of skepticism or cynicism, but I have a tendency to look for the worst in players. And Jesse Lingard last season was emblematic of this for me, where. Uh, a friend said, "Hey, I'm bringing Jesse Lingard in after his loan move to West Ham," and I just thought, "You're a fool! Uh, how could this possibly ever work?" And uh, the the moral right. of that story is, I got left behind. So I'm trying to look for uh, upside. Was the was the big term going around the FPL community last season? Looking for. Uh, you know different players uh, or that uh, that managers don't have i'm not talking about upside what i'm talking about is just kind of seeing the best of players i think that is a goal of mine additionally to make more gut decisions make more decisions that feel are my own because i do think if i look back at my my history of fpl managing Some of my better seasons or better game weeks were definitely ones in which I had full ownership of the decisions I was making. Practically speaking, I think my goal for this season uh, is going to be top 20K. And yeah, as you said, I do want to achieve that top 10K rank. I hope this will be the season, but I'm going to set the first marker at top 20K.
1: Um, I think, I think that makes, that's a, that's a good goal. I mean, I, I think just beating your OR would be a nice, nice clean goal there too. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, uh, goal wise, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I think that I, I suffer from an optimism problem too, not so much with my players, but with the way that I watch and enjoy fantasy on the weekends. Um, I can tend to get a little too negative, um, get a little too mad about VAR or, or get mad about my uh, my own team and have that spill into VAR conversations. And then I'm sure. certainly arguing with people. I don't know on Twitter about, about, you know, whether, uh, you know, a toe was in front of a shoulder and whether even looking at that, um, sure. has destroyed the, always a the, fun time. Of the game or something. Always, always a fun game. Yeah. Cause I, I go, I go to like base principles very quickly when this, <laughs> this stuff starts happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, my goal is to, um, yeah, continue. I think um, last year I barely made a point to to um, shut down a lot of my outside source. I, I talked about this on Twitter a couple of days ago. But you know, if you think about um, everything in the fantasy community as a pantry, right? Like a, you've got your podcasts on one shelf, you've got your uh, websites on another, you've got your, uh, you know, whatever like data your, your, your tables, forums, your, 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 yeah, Reddit, data tables, Optistats, um, You know, um, yeah, exactly. Like any there there are any number of like, you know, yeah, predictive stats or or just, you know, communities where you're talking to people. All of those things are are on various shelves. And what can be very tempting to do is to take everything, just throw it all into, you know, your cart and and go home and and just put it all into the pot, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it really doesn't work, right? And like you have to self-edit a little bit in order to to make like you want your team to be like, like a recipe that you've actually like, like written yourself. You know, you don't want it to be just sort of like this mess of, of ideas that you've cobbled together because it's ultimately not satisfying. I don't, I don't find it satisfying from a fantasy perspective. If I don't really feel like I'm making my own decisions or that I haven't sort of independently decided that I like X player or I'm going to captain Y player or whatever. And um, i mean for some people this seems very obvious but for others i think it is it is kind of a struggle because you yeah. see people advocating for x captain or y captain um, and and you just have to remember that a lot of these people are not very good you know, it really is <laughs> important to remember yeah. that. And I don't mean that, uh, I'm not, I'm not single to anybody or even, I'm not even thinking about anybody when I say this, there really is no one on mine when I say this, but you know, it's, 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 there's like a kind of like wisdom of crowds that takes over. And I, I don't actually think that it's necessarily very, very helpful a lot, uh, to follow the crowd. I don't, I don't think that that's a path towards, you yeah. know, having a really, really great season. I think that if you, if you listen to certain people and you're very, very like template that, which is like a big term in fantasy, like the, the template, yeah. um, I think it's a great way to finish like 88 K overall.
0: Well, and can, if if I can take your food metaphor, your cooking metaphor even farther is uh, yet yeah, you have to write your own recipe because you and I, Josh, we're not exceptionally good cooks, which is why we embrace baking. And what we love about baking is somebody has written out a recipe and the only way to achieve the right. best results is to follow the directions exactly. And the thing with FPL is it is not baking. FPL is very much season to taste because there is no perfect formula season to season. This is what I lament after every season ends. Like, wow, 38 game weeks have gone by. I learned so much, but now I have to throw it all in the garbage because the season begins again next game week one. I mean, broad strategic um, uh, learnings we can carry with us, but we're not baking a cake. We are Basically, at this point preseason, we're boiling a chicken carcass to create a stock, and then we are in game week one going to get a soup going, and we are going to be seasoning our own different kinds of soup as the game weeks go, and I can't wait to learn what kind of soup you're making, Josh, and what kind of soup I'm making, and then we can all have like a soup Yeah, we're going to get a stew on. <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah, exactly. beautiful. That was much nicer than me just insulting a bunch <laughs> of people in the FPL community. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I didn't mean to go there, but no, I, and the only point, I, I, the only reason I even brought that up was just like, you, you have to pay attention to who you're listening to. You have to you have to really trust the voices that you decide to trust. There's a lot of people who are, who are really smart and who you should listen to, but you just can't listen to all of them because yeah. it just it, it's just overwhelming. And and like you said it and and things change season to season as well. I mean, um, you know it's and and for you know for some people, um, certain approaches work. I mean, for some people, upside chasing is your is your approach. I mean, I think even knowing what kind of manager you are is actually a really good way to have a good season. Are you mm-hmm. an upside chasing person who just wants to keep moving from one expensive player to another? Are you just a little more conservative? And you want to kind of have your set team and then just make like little tinkers, um, you know, whatever, whatever that may be. Are are you more aggressive with captains? Um, And there's or, you know, are you the kind of person who really wants to do an eye test? Right. And just like watch Mm -hmm. matches and judge from there. Or are you the kind of person who wants to just dig into the into the stats? Right. Which is what a lot of really good smart managers do. Um, I feel like that's not really who I am as a manager. I feel like I'm much better at reading what other people have found and sort of being like, Oh yeah, that's interesting. You know, but I, I don't know that I like to sort of dig around into them too much because I don't trust myself. I feel like what I, what, what I would end up doing, I'm not objective enough with that stuff. So I feel like if I dig around to the opposite too much, I'm going to find something that kind of verifies uh, what I already thought. Like, yeah. ah, yes. Okay. I knew that Ivan Tony was, you know, was, <laughs> was due or whatever. Um, so yeah. All right, Brent. On that note, let's take like a very quick break. We'll get back. We're going to talk about position changes, player prices, early fixtures, and lots more.
2: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
3: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: All right, Brian, we're back. Position changes. Okay, let's start there with the launch of the new game. <laughs> We had six players change positions. I think that's a little lower than in past seasons. Doesn't it seem a little low to you? Six. Yeah, teams? it does.
0: I mean, last season was really marked by position changes when you saw and we're about to talk about him, Aubameyang moving into the midfield, and uh, there was a, a switch between Rashford and Martial, and these position changes were happening to very pivotal attacking players. And players that are much more expensive than the ones that we're about to talk about. So the uh, I think there's one pr- particularly interesting position change that we can dial in on. Maybe the listeners can guess who that's going to be.
1: That is, oh, I know who you're talking about already. Jeff Maitland Niles, Brandon, <laughs> moving from defender to midfielder. What do you get into it? There's a couple that are a little, uh, a little more basic. Uh, you know, we had um, Jeff uh, Matt Ritchie move from midfield to possession. It was actually, I think that's like the third time he's moved. Now it's like he keeps yeah. moving back and forth between those positions um you had uh jeff maitland niles move from defender to midfielder uh, you had cuyate move from midfielder to defender and at 4.5 million price tag i actually think that he might be somebody uh to watch although we you know uh, Crystal palace don't have a manager so we'll see what you know who they bring in and how that <laughs> yeah. um yeah. affects things um so yeah that which leaves us with with three interesting changes i think there are three three really notable changes one is uh, Stuart Dallas moving from uh, defense to midfield and priced at $5.5 million. What do you think yeah. about that one?
0: Well, I mean, we were just so spoiled with Stuart Dallas for Leeds last season, A, because he was an out-of-position defender, and for the for the newly initiated, there is nothing more precious than a player who is classified as a defender in FPL, but plays farther forward. Because what is gold to fantasy managers is attacking points. And if when Dallas last season was classified as a defender, he was playing far up the pitch, getting goals and assists, but also racking up those defensive clean sheets. It was just the perfect storm. On top of the fact that he was a Bargain rate at 4.5 million. So Dallas yep. is rightly repositioned here as a midfielder because that's where he does play in BL's system. Now the problem is, and I I shouldn't call it a problem. The new thing that we have to grapple with, reckon with, is the 5.5 million price tag. Everything here is correct with Stuart Dallas, and he still is a very appealing fantasy asset. is just going to make him very tricky to fit into your team because 5.5 is going to be that bubble price for a fourth midfielder. And Dallas, last season, Josh, like there was this classic moment where there was a week in which Dallas is playing Manchester City. Everybody benched him because he was a benchable asset at mm-hmm. four point five, and he got two goals yeah. for you off the bench against Manchester City at five point five. It's very tricky now to bench Stewart Dallas.
1: Yeah, I, I, you're right because you know he wouldn't be a fifth midfielder, a little too expensive at five point five. I think it's a fair price. I actually thought he might come in higher, so I was a little relieved when he came in at five point five. I thought it was reasonable. I mean, the, you know, part of the problem is that Rafinha came in at six point five, which is um, just yeah. a, a, you know. A, a, not a very big jump for a player who uh, really could have, you know, a big, big time breakout So season. we're I mean, this
0: we're, we're uh, going to talk about this uh, quite a bit, Josh. I think uh, the comparison of Mane and Sala, Mane at twelve and Sala mm-hmm. at twelve point five. Do you see Dallas versus Rafinha as that type of um, rivalry FPL wise, where? why have yeah. Dallas at 5.5 when you can upgrade
1: to Rafinha? I think some people will advocate tor, uh advocate for having both. Yeah. Well that that's right. I think I think there could be stretches of time uh, where you do have both players. Leeds don't have a, an incredible start to the season. It's a, it's okay. Um it's it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I I you know, it's they play Man United and um and Liverpool and in a, in a way to Burnley, which, you know, which isn't great fixture. So man United, Everton, Burnley, Liverpool in the first four gets a little better after that. Um, so I, you know, I don't necessarily would think I would have both, but um, yeah, I think that Rafinha start the season um, is just, uh, I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if he was the, the most highly owned player going into game week one, yeah. uh, just because that price tag sort of fits everybody's squad. It's, the, it's like the perfect third or fourth, <laughs> you know, midfielder price. It just oh, you yeah. know, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt anything. And I think, I think overall, and we can get into this in a second, but I think overall player prices were, were, um, actually pretty fair, uh, you know, on the season. And there's some, some fun, like they didn't, I felt like last year they went a little crazy. Uh, everything was a little too high and, um, I actually think it contributed to teams looking a little similarly because it was just really hard to have kind of all of the good players that you wanted because everybody was just so, exp- you know, like you basically, it was like, you know, you either had to, you had to choose, you know, yeah. you had to have one, one of, you know, one of these two top players, um, because otherwise it was just going to gobble up too much of your budget. Um, so the other two players um, are both kind. of – So Abam Yang goes back into the forward position, which sure, great. I mean, he's a forward, so uh, <laughs> sort of yep. is a, a logical move there. I, I, I'm glad to see another forward. Um, I, you know, I didn't feel like there were enough quality forwards last season. I mean, Abam Yang had a pretty poor season by his standards. He finished with 10 goals in the season, and um, but you know, he's a fantastic player. And you know, forwards, you know, forwards who really know how to score age pretty well usually um and you know i mean it, i mean i guess like you have your fernando torres type players uh, you know the, the second i said age pretty well i can think of like five forwards who didn't but you know if, if, i mean a was fantastic just two seasons ago so um you know if we think that last season was just a little bit of a blip then as a 10 million forward he's not insanely overpriced right yeah and and, and arteta he struck me as a manager where
0: You know, there was a lot of doubt. There were lots of valleys for Arsenal last season, but Arteta just feels like he's going to grow into that role more and more and more. And that Arsenal team seems like it is bound to improve. obviously there are still problems that Arteta needs to solve so the question for me going into the season regarding Aubameyang is not is Arsenal the right team is Arteta a good fit it's just is Aubameyang up for it he is a player that really relies on being mentally locked in and he clearly wasn't last season so uh that uh, Aubameyang even though it's, it's it's exciting to have a striker like him now and 10 million at certain points can actually prove to be affordable. Uh, you, you, you know, it's suicidal to start with Obama Yang and Gangway one, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think I think so, too. But I'm, I'm glad he's there uh, for later. And the other one is just kind of fun. I, I, I don't they I guess they just felt like throwing us a bone. I mean, there's no logical reason to make say Maxim a forward. I mean, he's he's very much not a forward. Um, I mean, I don't even think of him as that like last season. Right. I mean, I guess as a replacement for an injured Callum Wilson or something, I mean, it, you know, it was, it was, you know, Joe Linton and, and Callum Wilson were, were really the forwards in that system. So I, I don't quite understand why Sam Exumon has been yeah. moved to the forward spot. I mean, but regardless, let's take it. Sure. Fine. <laughs> He's a well, forward now. Yeah. Um, the the, the
0: question, know, yeah. the obvious question here is we just talked about Aubameyang who plays on the left. He plays sometimes farthest forward, but he plays on the left. Sometimes he'll play in the middle, but predominantly on the left. Sam Axeman, also an attacking winger. Both, sure, could be forwards or whatever, depending on what kind of pundit you are. Why, then, are we still living in a world in which Mane and Salah are unmovable midfield assets? At no point has Salah been considered being made classified as a forward in the FPL game and just like Aubameyang there can be moments in which Sala plays centrally he is the farthest player forward and so I think that there's like FPL got stuck in this pricing system with Salah in particular yeah. where you can't not since Van Persie have you had a striker that was 12 million or more and just kind of the way we think about FPL right now is there's you know, 12.5, as high as Salah is, can only be a premium midfielder. Yeah. So there is something slightly at odds with the logic here with Aubameyang and Saint-Maximin.
1: Yeah, and I think, um, yeah, I mean, players like uh, Sterling and, and, you know, and I think if you're playing fantasy for the first time, this is the kind of stuff that throws you off a little bit because you're like, wait, like Raheem Sterling, Mo Salah, uh, Marcus Rashford, these are all midfielders? Oh, they all play in the Um, double pivot. uh, The
0: greatest double pivot
1: in Premier League history would be Sterling and Salah. uh, You know it. Can you imagine? Sterling has really turned it around this summer. I hope that carries into uh, the start of next season because – yeah, he's uh, he's very expensive, Brandon. So he's going to need to uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, deliver uh, mm-hmm. on the, on those returns. So yeah, I think um, so. St. Max, whatever. I mean, yeah, it feels like if you're if they're going to change him, they could have changed Mason Greenwood too, right? Because I feel like he played a bunch of games um, at forward as well. They could do it like um, like they do it in fantasy baseball, where if you just play any position, you get to qualify for that position. So you know, if a you know if a, if a You know, player plays second base, first base, shortstop, they get to sort of like fall under all of those spots um wouldn't that be great like if um you know <laughs> kdb just lined up as a false nine one match and suddenly you could pick him as a forward the rest of the season that would be cool we're moving ultimately i think towards a total football style fantasy approach where you just put uh-huh. like 11 players in your fantasy team i hope yeah. we get there soon but we have the game we have and i've long since given up on trying to get I, I it does not phase me at all anymore it just it just it is what it is and so i think those those changes are all are all fine and interesting and um It'd be funny if Kiyate ends up being the most important player uh, from this bunch, <laughs> uh-huh. but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, check, yeah. we'll check back after game week 38. So um, we have three promoted squads. I don't want to get into this too much because we're actually going to do a dedicated pod this year on the promoted squad. So keep an eye out for that in July. But I wanted to just briefly note Brentford. Norwich, Watford are the three teams that are coming back. Two of them, many of you will be already pretty familiar with. Brentford, it feels like we're familiar with them just because Saeed Ben-Rama and L.A. Watkins uh, joined uh, the Premier League. And uh, you know Watkins in particular was was, was fantastic last season. So yeah. um, you know, just a couple of quick uh, notes on, on those two clubs. One is uh, Watford, uh, once new head coach, uh, Zisco Munoz joined. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Zisc z i s c o. Would you pronounce that Zisco?
0: I would go Zisco. Zisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as as yeah, yeah, people will yeah. tell you, we're not pronunciation experts here at Always Cheating, but we try our best. Probably our worst quality. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I co signed that pronunciation though.
1: Uh, but since he since he joined uh, the club, they had conceded only three goals in 13 matches at home. So just one of those uh, stats to keep in your back pocket that uh, Watford have been especially strong at home. Maybe something to think about when it comes to cheap uh, defenders for Watford in particular. Uh, they also have a player in SAR who um, yeah. I think you and I are both, uh, you yeah, know, we're Sariacs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, for sure. He came in priced at 6.0. Uh, Premier League fans will remember Sar for when everyone thought Liverpool were going to be invincible when they won the title. Watford, mm-hmm. who got relegated that season, of course, were the team to take that record from Liverpool and Sar scored. Did he
1: score a hat trick? That match, he scored at least a brace. I think it was like two goals and an assist or something. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it, 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 an incredible return and uh, Mane after the match uh, pointing at Sar saying he's the real deal. And now he's back in the Premier League. Uh, you have to like a player who goes down and then comes back up with a team like Watford insofar as they Sar is completely ingrained in that club. At this point, like as much as you could be in a club like Watford over the course of three seasons, yeah. and he'll be an integral part of their plans. Now we know he can perform yep. in the league. Uh, so I I like that. And when Watford have a decent run of fixtures, you have to consider Sar.
1: Yeah, uh, he uh, had five goals and seven assists in his short time. Uh, in the Premier League, I think he was a mid-season. I don't even think he played a full season when he joined Watford. Right. And uh, last season, in the it, for Watford in the Championship, he had 13 goals and 10 assists and 39 appearances. So, uh, only six million. Uh, definitely a player to watch. I, I think that um, you know we might have to wait until Rafinha gets uh, you know pulls a hamstring or something. But we'll, we'll keep, an <laughs> sure. on, we'll keep an eye on sure. It'll happen. the other uh, player to keep an eye out for, and I, I'm just kind of naming the obvious ones here because again, we're going to talk about this more soon. But um, is Ivan Tony, who is the he um, was the championship golden boot winner with 31 goals last season. Uh, Puky finished in third with 26, by the way, too. That's why Norwich is uh, team of And I actually, I will say, Brendan, I have set my bus team right now. And I have Ivan Tony in my bus team right now. So yeah. I really like his opening fixture. They they play Arsenal at home. I just think that Brettford are really going to be up for it, especially if there are fans in the stands as we expect there to be. Um, and, you know, I feel like every year there's one forward from one of the promoted teams that that just comes out firing last season is Patrick Bamford um season before that it was Timu Pukki um I'm sure you can go back seasons from there um there's always one you mm-hmm. you often get it wrong you and I you and I went last year <laughs> went Mitrovic should have gone Bamford uh and so it's a real gamble if you can pick the right promoted forward but yeah. um I think there's a lot of appeal in Ivan Tony so uh he's, he's the one that I would I would give a little shot for
0: yeah, and you mentioned Mitrovic coming up as the golden boot winner with Fulham, and he his issue was he just didn't factor into Scott Parker's plans and his new team setup, and you know, Fulham's form was still terrible, but Mitrovic didn't even play. With Ivan Tony. I think yeah. you can be assured that he factors into Brentford's setup and Brentford's plans he will play. I I am in a situation going into game week one where – with a team like Brentford, I'll have to believe it when I see it. If you follow the championship playoff run, no one excited in the in those playoffs. Now, Brentford, uh, you know, to make it to the championship final, playoff final two seasons in a row is a huge accomplishment. So, like much like other teams who just like had to just really drived for that promotion. Brentford did it. So, um, you know, but, but I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm dubious. Ivan Tony probably has the tools to do it. You know, I, I think that was what was so interesting about Ali Watkins at uh, Aston Villa last season is, is he just came straight from Brentford, as you mentioned, and he did it. It was clear right from the jump that Watkins had the body and the tools to be a premier league striker. And I think that he'll even continue to improve. Mm -hmm. So it's not like far fetched that Ivan Tony could do it, but um, I, I don't know. I just don't think the caliber of opposition uh, in a championship campaign always correlates to what you see in a premier league campaign. Interesting. There's that
1: Brandon Kelly pessimism. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to, me. I should be getting rid of it this, out, but like now a, it's like a <laughs> cloud in front of the sun. <laughs> 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 um, all right. Well, we're just kind of doing a whirlwind tour here. So let's talk a little bit about player prices. Uh, the good and the bad. We'll mostly focus on the good here. Uh, lots of time this season, Brandon talking about the bad. So uh, the good, I, I just picked three price brackets uh, that I thought were particularly bu- you know, good. And, Let's start things off with the 7.5 million forwards I have for Charlison, 7.5. Jimenez, Raul Jimenez, 7.5. Ali Watkins, your boy, 7.5. Ian came on very strong late last season at yeah. 7.5. And Antonio also at 7.5. That is a major list. And that actually doesn't even include Callum Wilson, who I believe is also 7.5. So you just have a ton of real quality in that i mean you can you can very easily field three 7.5 million forwards to start the season
0: yeah i think it's going to be an interesting question going into game week one how much we value a striker who's more expensive than this bracket right like are we going to uh, like is harry kane even going to survive the the euros we don't know there's a question mark there, but I'm with you. I mean Watkins was performing at dominant Calvert-Lewin's level for most of the season. Like there were moments in which Calvert-Lewin seemed unstoppable, but his form dipped a bit. Mm-hmm. And you look at Watkins at 7.5 and now DCL is priced at 8 million. You think, well why why not save that 0.5? Similarly with Eneanche watching West Ham, is West Ham going to sign another striker? this summer if they don't antonio is great i mean west ham had uh, periods where they were really flourishing and dominating last season and uh yeah allaire when they when west ham sold allaire i was just thinking what are you guys doing you don't have any other strikers apart from antonio and antonio was just coming back from injury when they ended up selling sebastian allaire And I think that what that shows you is the faith that David Moyes and the club has in Antonio. So if they don't sign any big-name strikers this summer, Antonio looks to be uh, really integral to that uh, attack, which which is quite appealing. Of course, he did...
1: He did proceed to get injured again multiple times. So <laughs> of was, course, yeah, yeah, the, it comes, it comes with the territory. He's like one of the, he's like the easiest to like player in the premier league. He's got, you know, like, he's got like a great smile. He's got that great Simpsons goal celebration. Um, He's just, he's just really fun. He's a really fun player to watch too. When he's in form, he's just like a, a terror. I mean, he must just be terrifying to opposing center backs, you know, cause he's just yeah. super athletic and, yeah. and just, he's got a, you know, big body, really aggressive. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, good with this fee, but anyway, so I, I think there's just a lot to like in this bracket and it is, it is really exciting to me. And I, I like that they are also similarly priced. I mean, like you said, I mean, you can move up to, um, to Bamford at 8 million. You can move up to, um, uh, DCL at eight. I think Ings Ings is at eight as well, which yeah. I think is a, is a reasonable price. Um, you know, Adam seems a little high at 7 million, but I, I think, uh, it's, Vardy, I mean, so, yeah, again, like you look at the 7.5s, then you look at the 12.5s and you see Kane. I mean, you know, this summer has not flattered him, obviously. It feels like he really needs a rest, um, it, you know, so far, at least through three matches. Uh, Vardy at 10.5 seems like he kind of faded a little bit down the stretch. I mean, Nacho was clearly a better fantasy asset down the stretch. Um, and, you know, Bamiang at 10, Timo Werner at 9. I mean, it really, you know, I think there's a strong argument for, um, for just going with all of the all of the, the cheapies, you know, if you can call 7.5 million cheap. And so, you know, we'll be talking more about, about, I I don't, you know, uh, much like you, I'm not super interested right now in in putting together my game week one team. Um, I, I actually think it's better to just sort of think about who I like, you know, who I like, who I don't like. And then, and then once I formed stronger opinions, then I can start putting my team together. Mm -hmm. Um, I think sometimes you start to look at, Oh, well, so-and-so has got a good fixture. I'm just going to drop them into game week one. And, and I, you know, I'm just not, I I just don't want to even start thinking that way yet because um, we'll have lots of preseason matches, lots of uh, time to evaluate these plays. A lot lot of things that will happen, right? I mean, you know, let's say Jaden Sancho joins Man United this summer, as is looking increasingly likely. (laughs) um, How does that affect someone like Bruno, you know, or or any of the forwards for that matter? You know, how does Mm -hmm. it affect uh, um, Greenwood, uh, lots Mm -hmm. of other players? So lots to still come. So, of the other price bracket that I like is the $6.5 million midfielder bracket. We've talked about Rafinha already, but uh, two other ones I think stand out as well. You have Buendia at $6.5 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's a, he just joined Aston Villa after an excellent campaign um, at Norwich. And uh, the question there is whether he is the Jack Grealish replacement or the Jack Grealish uh, – companion and I, think, uh, I don't do you know the answer to that brandon if you do tell me please i mean the suspicion would
0: be you don't bring in and pay the money for a player like buendia unless you are you already know that you're you have cash coming in for Grealish and Grealish. i don't know this for a fact but yeah, I, I like the story of Pep Guardiola being like on a golf course asking uh, people like, "So, what do we really know about Jack Grealish? What is he really like?" Because what Pep... is
1: what <laughs> is a Jack Grealish? As he yeah, staples yeah. his
0: hands. Yeah, because he's he's you know he's a he's a personality, he's a character, and um, not just a, a great footballer. But I suspect that Grealish has paid his dues and given so much to that Villa club that he's moving on. So, but. I think, you know, Buendia may, you know, he's a chance creator. So I think that you, you, there is always a player in your midfield, in your fantasy team, where you have to look past the fact that you expect goals from them. And I think Buendia, if he comes good, will be that player where you're like, okay, I could get a six pointer, I could get a seven, eight pointer with bonus from Buendia. Any, Given week, if if he if if he is playing by himself without Grealish at Villa, could you liken him to Mateus Pereira from West Brom last season, where you're like, I don't, I know this guy is really good. Uh, I'm in, I'm unsure about you know the the cohesiveness of the system that he's playing in, given that they, you know, whether it's West Brom being promoted or Villa without Grealish. Uh, we we, ju- we just saw Mateus Pereira at many points last season become an incredible fantasy asset, despite the fact that he was playing in a really weird, kind of bad team. So, regardless of what you think about the direction mm-hmm. Villa is going in, I think Buendia still has to be enticing at six point five.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's a lot to like there at Villa, even even without um, without Grealish. I, mean, I, I hope he stays. Uh, I think I actually think at eight million Grealish is not. Um, is a pretty good price if he actually stays at Villa. I think you know he's ha- he's having a pretty good year. Euro- I mean, in some ways he's having a good Euros by not playing. You know, it's like he every every time grows. he doesn't play, he adds like five billion to his <laughs> price tag. Yeah, his legend grows, and then and then but then he had an excellent game uh, in and uh, and then third match of the Euros, and uh, the other player with an excellent game in the third match was uh, was Bakary Saka, who is also priced at six point five million. So, Buendia, Rafinha, Saka, there's a lot to like there, and Saka is you know sort of just depends on what Arsenal puts around him uh, this season. Um, yeah. You know, he sort of um, it feels like he bounced around a little bit at the start of last season. They really kind of found his place late. And there's a lot to like at Arsenal. I think that the, the question, and I think that Arteta is, um, there's a lot of pressure on him to do this, which is to, is to be a more attacking team, right? Score a little bit more, um, not kind of, shut up shop uh, so, so quickly. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about the champions, I mean, the uh, Europa League semifinals here uh, come to mind, you know, or it's just a little too um, conservative. And so I think, um, you know, I think that could really benefit Saka if they open up. And I think that if, you know, if Aubameyang, um finds his form again, I think that will also help Saka. So um, yeah. So I think there's a lot to like in that bracket and that, you know, if we were to jump up a million, then, then um, obviously Jota uh, jumps out as well. Uh, but we can talk about him and another pod. The final bracket is the four point five million defenders. I think there's some pretty good ones here, Brandon. I <laughs> okay. have to say. Sometimes there aren't. You know, sometimes it's all it's all garbage. Uh but I mean, for one, Fafana, four point five million, what a what a deal. Why are we getting this like incredible deal on Fafana?
0: is he a deal i i think fofana was overrated last season uh that guy is a suicidal defender he jumps in on challenges and i i understand he's very young and he has a lot to learn and the fact that he was uh you know performing at that level for a team vying for the top four good on you lad but uh fofana no i'm not having it I think the reverse argument there is Connor Cody, who will never be priced higher than four point five, um, probably mostly because he will never score a goal um, or not many goals. So I, I, I would go a little more conservative here uh, over, uh, and take Connor Cody over Fofana. And the other players you have listed here, Luke Ayling for Leeds, who you just you're you're lured in by his luscious locks and his is mm-hmm, cavalier yeah, style yeah and and big big alien but
1: yeah i mean I, he's like it's crazy to me absolutely crazy that luke alien didn't get any attacker turns last season zero goals zero assists i felt like he was in the mix a ton he did have one goal that he scored that was um that was chalked offside very sadly but yeah i think uh he is a player to me who's who's zero goals and zero assists um, don't tell the real story about how involved he is um, in that squad. So especially because this season he should be able to play in his preferred right back spot as opposed to a fill-in center back as he had to play um, very frequently last season. So I think that will help him as well.
0: And then Rob Holding, going back to that socket conversation of what does Arteta have in store for Arsenal and Holding often a peripheral fill-in center back could have became you know, he he can't go so far as to call him a leader, but he uh, you know, he had his moments for Arsenal in the latter half of that season, and you'd think, well, maybe he could actually have a regular starting position and Arsenal a dicey proposition with defense, but still at 4.5. That is a team, you know, just it is it uh Fabio Borges, Josh. You often quote him doing the meet the manager interview for fantasy football scout of just focusing all of your attention on clubs that are in the top half of the table and you're talking yeah. about 4.5 defenders who are playing for teams who are hovering around 15th place in the table whereas Arsenal <laughs> could be 15th you know depending on yeah. where you were last season but you will you will expect Arsenal to be in the top half and you get a starting a regularly starting defender for a top half table team at 4.5, take him. You can easily bench holding if uh, there are concerns.
1: Yeah. I think unless he gets, um, unless they make a big signing this summer, I think there's a very good chance that that holding is the, one of the starting center backs going into the season. And um, yeah, I just think that, I mean, Arsenal in general, it's kind of interesting to look at the way they're priced. they are, they are really are priced like a bottom half of the table team. I mean, Kieran Tierney available at 5 million, that could be a, a decent deal. Yeah, uh, Barron, Gabriel, uh those are both 4.5 million. Um I mean we'll see how they, you know, how they set up and what kind of signings they make, but you know, you look at the midfield too. I mean Saka, Pepe at 7.5 million, which you know, finally at a price where he's kind of interesting, right? I mean, he kind of sneakily had 10 goals and 3 assists last season. Um yeah. Quite a bit better down the stretch,
0: but have we been through this with Mezzodozle before, Josh? Where you get drawn in by this <laughs> hyped player and you're like, finally, their price has fallen to a point where I'm enticed, and then you realize, oh, right, their price has fallen because they're kind of a joke fantasy
1: asset. Well, you, you may be right, but but you know, still, I mean, it's what's interesting to me is that he is the most expensive. I, I I doubt we've ever gone into a season where the most expensive midfielder for Arsenal was seven point five million. Uh, that is crazy. wild, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Where where art thou, Alexis Sanchez?
1: <laughs> I know. I guess Aubameyang. He was he was the one last year. So right. um, yeah. So so those are some some player prices, and then just you know that that's the good. I guess I see, I see a lot of good in those those spots. I think the bad, uh, the one that comes to mind already, you know, min- instantly is Sadio Mane who. I think might have been, he came in at 12 million, you know, uh, Sala's at 12.5. And I think Mane would have been more appealing if they dropped him down to 10.5 or something like that. But as it is, it's just hard to have Salah and Mane and and really hard to justify going for Mane over Salah.
0: Yeah, FPL really needed to embrace make fantasy fun again there. They needed to just throw a bit of chaos into the game. I'm with you. Price Mane at 10 million, 10.5 um perhaps unjust but can you imagine the conversations the banter the fun uh but we are robbed of that it is a it is a straight headshot to mane's fpl card
1: especially when joda's 4.5 million cheaper you know (laughs) even for mino yeah even for mino is more appealing depending on which of those two players you know earns the starting spot uh and then uh, the other one i thought I, i thought the man city mids came in a little a little high as well i thought that uh De Bruyne at twelve just feels a little a little high to me. Uh, his highest ever price tag. Yeah, and I'm not really sure why, considering he was worse last year than he was the season before that. He halved his returns. Uh, I know he was injured for for part of the season, but but still, um, I don't know how that price went up. Like uh, riddle me yeah. that, Brandon.
0: He's he's getting the bump of being perhaps the best midfielder in Europe. And I think the Premier League has to own that. They're like, here is our, here is our guy. I mean, Salah might... Weston d- McKinney would have a word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, excuse me, Weston <laughs> McKinney says. So I think I think De Bruyne got that like, hey, uh, hey, we need to embrace him as one of our superstars sort of price bump. But the funny thing with Manchester City to me is they went all like like Sherman's March on the premier league through long stretches last season, but rarely was there a time where you needed one particular Manchester city fantasy asset. It's rare yeah. that that happens. Um, it, it, it's just by the nature of peps rotation and his system. And he's got every single player. So well, well, well drilled he can, he can mix and match. So, I mean, there was one month where Ilkay Gundogan became the man, and that was basically only because De Bruyne was fully injured, and Gundogan was assured to start, and he was in in great form. But beyond that, yeah, like the price tags for City players, on top of the fact that F- they Foden's
1: could okay, I guess phone F- at eight million is not bad.
0: I suppose so. And I, I guess that is the question. Like, I do not doubt, like, the talent of the squad and these players. And I don't think anyone would misunderstand that. But the the price that you have to pay for the city player, the story remains. The price versus the risk of sweating that team sheet in the rotation. And Foden was actually a fun player to own last season at 6 or 6.5, whatever he was, because he actually really worked his way mm-hmm. Uh, more heartily into that rotation, and the price was right for the risk at eight million. Suddenly, I'm going to feel that risk a little bit more with <laughs> yeah. Foden.
1: Yeah, that's 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 true. Uh, I, I think I think it's a reasonable price, and I think a Gun to One at seven point five is is actually a reasonable price as well. I think Man City is a team that we have to kind of. Take with a grain of salt. You know, we'll see if Harry Kane actually joins, which I think is is possible. I don't know if it's likely at this point or not. I mean, yeah. God, who knows? And um and you know, they have an interesting forward situation right now. They just have one, and and Gabriel Jesus is at eight point five million, which is not a bad price. Yeah, uh, if he's the only forward going to the season, they play Norwich in game week two. You know, so there's there's definitely something appealing there but i think it's uh you know the defenders came in at a good price yeah i was just Uh, i was just gonna say i
0: i I, I think diaz had i think it's just because he only scored one goal last season that he wasn't at 6.5 if he had scored two goals or more fpl would have put him at At 6.5 so the question i have for you josh is stones at
1: 5.5 i don't know man i don't think i can do that stones game again the Stones versus Laporte game—it is that is that just stresses me out too much. Uh, plus, Laporte just scored today, so it feels sacrilegious to uh, to go for, for to advocate for Stones over Laporte on this day on on, on Laport <laughs> Laporte special day.
0: Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> Lewandowski uh, bullies Laporte one week to score a goal against Spain, and then the next week Laporte goes and scores. So it's like yeah, there right. must be balance to the force, Josh.
1: That group F was, was, I, I'm glad it like lived up to the hype. You know, it's like sometimes those group of deaths turn out to be a like a total dud, you know, but uh, this time around, it was actually like, it's like insane. Like the final, the final 30 minutes of those matches. It was super fun. I am, by the way, I, I repeat this again, but uh, it is, I, I am so glad that I took a little break from fantasy this summer because I'm, I'm just watching these matches just like, hey this is fun. You know, it's like, <laughs> um, you know, it's just sort of fun to like take a, take a little bit of, a little bit of a, a breather, you know? So um, yeah. So I think that's all we'll say about the bad right now. We could go on about the bad, but let's, let's keep it. Um, <laughs> keep it there for now. Sure. Um, one final thing I want to talk about in this, in this section, and then we're going to take a few listener questions is, um, you know, realistically, many of us, we never planned to do this. This is never, never the, never the plan. I mean, some people do, I, I don't like this idea. I don't like to act like, I don't want to box myself into a corner where I've got a wild card in game week three or, or four or whatever, because what, what ends up happening is you end up, you know, you get off to a really good start and then you're like, well, I'm, you know, whatever it is, I'm 80 K overall after three weeks. Um, but my plan was to wild card. What do I do? You know? And, <laughs> and I wild carded from position of strength a couple of years ago and it was, Uh, it went hilariously bad. I like just take, I uh, basically like what you end up doing is you end up taking out a bunch of players who are doing well to bring in players that you hope do well eventually. And it's like, it it does not, it is not a great strategy. So anyway, um, I, I, not for me, at least it's not worked out for me in, in, in my case. So, um, Looking at the early fixtures, though, Brandon, uh, most of us will end up wildcarding early. Just as you know, we we end up making some mistakes or players that we thought we're going to start don't, and this this happens to everybody at a, sort of every tier of the of the fantasy sphere. So, looking at the first five fixtures, are there any teams that jump out to you as having especially good fixtures? or especially bad fixtures.
0: Yeah, you've got to go with Everton here, and a dominant Calvert-Lewin will probably be in a lot of game week one squads because Everton go Southampton, Leeds, Brighton, Burnley, Aston Villa to start. Everton were a bit flaky toward the end of last season, and they were going to have a new manager, and there's a certain level of upheaval, but I think DCL is a great player there. Liverpool is a uh, it's keep-it-simple-stupid sort of a team. I mean, just the first two fixtures alone, away Norwich, and Liverpool, going back to the days of Luis Suarez, absolutely loved destroying Norwich. And I don't expect that will change in game week one. And then Burnley in game week two, home at Anfield in front of their home fans. So Liverpool and Everton right away, if I had to pick a team that just had really terrible fixtures. This is the question we, we're talking a lot about Leeds here with Stewart, Dallas, Rafinha, and Bamford. But Manchester United, Everton, and then they have Liverpool in game week four. Now, granted, I mean, what do we think about that? Because Leeds actually did the business against Liverpool last season uh in game week
1: one. So yeah. maybe fools bet against Leeds. I'm not that, yeah, I'm not that down on those leads fixtures. I agree. I mean, this, this Man United team is going to have a bunch of players who played in Euros. So we don't really even know who's, you know, it depends on how the elimination rounds end, I think, but, um, you know, so it, it could end up being kind of like not a full, full strength squad. Um, and yeah, I mean, so I, I, I will certainly have Rafinha going into the start of the season and, and maybe I'll have two, um, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe just because those fixtures are kind of mediocre, I'll just have one. Mm-hmm. Um but I you know, I don't see those as terrible fiction. It maybe it maybe kind of dissuades me from having a defender early on, you know, like someone like Look Alien, who I really am high on um i don't really know looking at these first five pictures when i would play him,
0: you're high you could say that when it comes to luke I- luke
1: ailing i know this is just one i i really want to be proven right on this one brandon i feel like <laughs> i'm a little i'm on luke ailing island over here mm-hmm. just advocating for him as a fantasy has not quite worked out yet but i i think it's going to happen maybe luke ailing becomes my the patron saint of the of the always treating podcast this season because i really genuinely like him he seems like a nice guy yeah. great smile brandon and, who can uh, make I, a Picture so this kind of silly (laughs) hair. We
0: need a picture of Luke Ailing doing his headbangers ball, whipping his hair around celebration because I think that would look beautiful on a new Make Fantasy Fun Again t shirt. So, if any enterprising listener out there can hook us up with an original
1: illustration of Ailing doing that, we're here for it. All right, I like that idea a lot. So, um, yeah, I think that that's that's enough. I mean, I think that uh, I, I've been looking a little bit at goal. I'm just like I'm just like dipping my water and some of the uh, di- dipping my water, dipping my toe in the water of some of this <laughs> stuff. Uh, I think that uh, Sanchez uh, seems like a, a real. Uh, I mean, he's kind of the obvious keeper pick, but I think that um, the question for me is whether I want a five million keeper or whether I want to do some keeper rotation this season. I haven't quite decided yet. I really got away from keeper rotation early on, and I, I think you could. Just go with Sanchez um, and and not rotate. But um, let's let's save that discussion for another time. You know, the other thing I've been thinking about too, Brandon, is we haven't talked about this too much yet, but the cheaters are going to Las Vegas. We'll we certainly aren't. be talking about this more soon, Brandon. But yes, the second game week two of the season, you and I will be in, in, in Las Vegas recording podcasts the whole time that we're there. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be watching matches. We're going to be... Um, blowing money at the casino. It's going to be great. So, but the one thing I've been thinking about though, this is, this is like not the smart strategic way to think, but I've been thinking I want to have a good team for gay week two, uh, because we're going to be there and I want to be, I want to celebrate. So you want to be Brighton happy. Play Watford. <laughs> I want to be happy. Yeah. So Brighton play Brighton play Watford in Game Week Two And I'm like, Oh, like I want, uh, I just want Sanchez for that one, man. I, no, I you, want the on you want Sar? You want Sar, baby. Oh, Sar. Oh, that'll be the debate. Won't it? Wow, Sarah versus Sanchez. I'm with
0: you though. Brighton's fixtures: Burnley, Watford, Everton, uh, Brentford, Leicester to start. So yeah, I the defensive train for uh, Brighton is is gassing up.
1: Yeah, I mean maybe we, maybe we have two actually. I mean you know really, I really I think down the stretch there it was really um, there were there were a bunch of different players that we I actually haven't seen. Did he come in at four point five million or five million? How did uh my boy, Brandon. Uh let's see. Veltman stayed at four point five million. I like to see that. <laughs> I was wondering uh, where you're gonna go with. We all with had that. a little taste of Veltmania. <laughs> yeah. Veltmania last year. I mean, honestly, other other defenders outside of Dunk who always gets that little bump because he's got a little more girl threat, but uh Lamptey, I mean, I'm not gonna do the Lamptey thing again. That's just uh, you know, that's uh not foolish enough to do that. Uh, I see that Motor has been moved into the midfield spot, which I was a little surprised by because he did play as a wing back a lot last season. But um, so unfortunately, we maybe had a little uh, chance of some out of position uh, potential there. Motor in. The What's your prize <laughs> for flight?
0: Is a wow. free team name I, I for know everybody. you're
1: in a good mood I yeah I know you're in a good get a good mood. You start singing in the middle of the song so <laughs> um so let's break it up then Brandon by uh let's let's take a quick break and uh, we're gonna get back and we're going to read just a few listener questions this is our first lightning round of the season we'll be right back And we're going to get to our listener questions. Just one second. I wanted to take a moment though, to thank everyone who supports the podcast on Patreon. If you have like the podcast, if you want to say thank you, you can go to patreon.com slash always cheating. What's up? No new charges on July 1st. If you are a Patreon supporter, current Patreon supporter, you get the entire month of July free. That yeah. is our uh, free bonus for everyone who supported the podcast. If you join Right now, as of like, you listen to this podcast and you join, you effectively get a free week of the podcast as well a free eight days. So, um, yeah, depending on when you join from when you've listened to this podcast. So, uh, yeah, so we will, uh, you know, things will go back to normal in August. We wanted to say thank you to everyone who um, has supported the podcast and give everybody um, a free month off. So, uh, but we've got a lot of new features we're rolling out this season. The first thing, Brendan, is the Dean's List <laughs> that's D I G N E, yeah, the Dean's yeah. List. It's our new Manager of the Month Award. Yeah, the Dean's List. This is the first time we're ever doing
0: an actual Manager of the Month Award for our Patreon League. So when you become a patron, you're invited to our official Patreon Mini League. And each month, whoever has the top score is going to enter the Lucas Dean's List. What do you get? You get a custom, always cheating, three-quarter sleeve shirt. Josh,
1: these shirts are going to look hot. Hot, hot, hot. I'm super excited. You and I met a couple days ago to start planning the season, and this is going to be like, I think it's going to be uh, the best piece of merch we've ever created. I'm really genuinely excited about it. So, we're going to give that to every everyone who wins the Manager of the Month award. We're also, Brandon, getting, and I'm jumping ahead here, and I'm, I'm sorry that I'm jumping over you. It's, it's because I wrote out these bullets, and so I'm very sure. excited to get to all of them. But uh, everyone at the uh, Volkswagen and producer tiers, Brandon, will also get our new AC three-quarter sleeve T-shirt. So I suppose if you're a producer patron and you have one of the best months of the season, you will get two shirts, one for you and a matching one for your spouse. So congratulations. <laughs> we'll figure out a way
0: to, to customize it if you end up uh, getting both. We'll, we'll make it worth your while. Uh, that is the always cheating promise. Other things you get if you join the Patreon, you get an extra podcast each week. That's an ad-free Patreon exclusive pod. We do those closer to the game week deadline, so you get up to the minute fresh information on any mid- midweek action decisions that josh and i are making about team lineups and captaincies also our friends at mini league mate produce the week and review newsletter that we provide uh, courtesy of mini league mate and you get lots of stats and information about what managers around you are doing and how your decisions are stacking up it's one for the data nerds out there so, yeah, what are you doing? Go to patreon.com slash always cheating. It's just it's a great way to get more FPL content and also to say thank you to
1: what Josh and I do week in, week out. Yep. And uh, we already have a couple of new patrons this week. Uh, welcome back, Brandon, to a new producer, Chris Carter, Woo! one of our favorites. Thank you, Chris, for rejoining the, the, the podcast. Very exciting. And a new Lord Soreleth patron as well. Brandon, thank you to Granite Zone. So uh, thank you to both of you guys. When you what a me name, Granite rest.
0: Zone! I love this name. I feel like, I feel like we should change the name of the
1: podcast to the Granite Zone. It's rock hard. I, I went to, you know, it's funny. I went to college. I went to college of the Granite Zone. I wonder if it's the same <laughs> the same person. <laughs> Could be. No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, it's an interesting name. Yeah, Um, So yeah, thank you to uh, everyone who supports the podcast. Go to patreon.com/slash/alwayscheating uh, to uh, to support us. And let's not even take a break round. Just jump right into the listener questions from here. First question comes from Hiba. He says, "Do you guys do anything to help shut out the noise?" so that your final team, that is the team going to game week one, is truly your own honest, authentic side.
0: This question gets straight to the heart of what my goal is this season. I think that everyone who is managed uh, for a long time, I think it's easier to escape the noise and try to find your own way when you're a newer fantasy manager. But after a decade of doing this, I have these baked-in biases I really like the point that we made earlier, Josh, of you have to know what style you are as an FPL manager, like who you are, who how do you identify as, as an FPL manager? And I think that will help you to shut out noise from people spouting advice that might not be to your style or to your taste. And if you don't have a knowledge of, of how you like to manage then you might just be grabbing advice from anywhere and and it could do more, more, more harm than good. How do you figure out what style manager you are? I mean, it's the, it's a simple case of going back to our definition of what a bus team is, is what are the decisions that you're making on your own right at the start of the game week before you've even digested the results of the weekend action uh, prior to the deadline? Uh, and, and you'll just, you'll learn a lot about the way you want to manage the decisions that you want to make when you early on in the, in the week, take your team and set it up the way you want, the way your gut tells you. And then, yeah, the challenge is going to be throughout the course of the next week. Like what data then do you, do you find to, to help you either reinforce or change your decisions? But the key there for me is a stat, try to establish early on what kind of season do you want to have and, and what style do you want to play and help that sort of lead you to, uh, where you want to go for yeah. advice if you find that you need advice.
1: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a really good way to put it. And I, I yeah, I think that sometimes there are people who I really respect and I, and I can think of a handful offhand who are, uh, extremely data driven and it really does guide their decisions. And, I really respect that, but it's not really how I play, you know, um, not, not completely at least. And I will sometimes let those people get in my head a little more than, than others, you know, because I respect that they've come to their opinion logically, but it's just not really how I want to play. It's just kind of not, not, my style. And so if I kind of don't go with the move that I want and take the move that they're sort of advocating for, um, that's when I often get frustrated with myself because I'm like, just trust your instincts, man. You know, it's like it's just more fun if you trust your instincts and it works out. So um, I think, yeah, I think I like the sort of the mavericky people. Um, the, that 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 pers- that the perspective is a little more. I mean, I'm certainly not like a full-on maverick manager by any means, but I I do think that um, I I have a I, I really work and I, especially last season I really work not to. Take in too many voices. I try not to look at like I try not to look at anybody's team. Like if I'm on social media, I don't like to look at anybody's squad. I mean, you know, we end up doing it on the on the Slack because we have a we have an invite and ask Josh and Brandon advice for on there, and so we'll end up talking to people about their teams. But in general, when people post their various squads and various templates online, I try not to look at any any of them at all. It's like I like I like quickly scroll past so that I don't have to see it because um, I, I don't even want to look at them because every time I see one, it's going to. I feel like it's going to get in my brain a little bit or it's going to make me worry that my own team is too, is too template and too boring. Right. And I'm going to start to mix things up just to do it, you know, just to be different. And um, I think that can be part of the problem, too, is you sort of get in your head about, well, I don't want to look like everybody else, you know, but if you don't know what everybody else's team looks like, then you can safely <laughs> do that, you
0: know. Ignorance is um, bliss, Josh. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right. A couple more questions. FPL prop says, uh, what are your typical strategies to kick off an FPL season? For example, should we hold money in the bank, stick to known assets, purchase premiums in each position? You'll offer movement. I mean, some of this stuff is pretty fundamental. I think, um, you know, I don't hold any money in the bank really. I, you know, I don't really, uh, I, I, I try to have a couple of transfers planned out, you know, game weeks, two and three, maybe um, I don't usually go further than that. Um, what about you?
0: Yeah, I think a I think a point here would be don't try to make that big swing in game week one. I have been burned in so many game week ones by players like Saka or Lacazette. I'm thinking specifically of Arsenal players where you're like, oh, you know, maybe maybe they this will be their season. And lo and behold, they aren't even in the starting 11. The game week one practice is pretty sadly to be as conservative as possible because there is this uh you know in, in basketball josh you can be in the triple threat position the triple threat is where you kind of crouch down you're holding the ball next to your hip you can shoot mm-hmm. you can pass or you can dribble and mm-hmm. i think the way you want to set yourself up in game week one is to put yourself on that pass shoot dribble position where you have solid conservative picks and then Once we know, and by God, through the course of game weeks one through three or four, we take on board so much new information and you're going to be chasing a number of players. So the more uh, stalwart picks that you have that you know you can rely on through the first month or so, the better, the more uh the 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 easier it's going to be for you to move on those those newer marginal picks so i think yeah. it, it it's it's like it's like such a bummer for the theory of game week 1 to be just be conservative but I do think that's probably the safest way. Yeah,
1: well, that's what we said for getting off to a good start too, and and it just makes you it just makes things more fun. Um, I, I, I think that you know this is really where the optimism versus pessimism thing comes in because I think that um, early on there is a story that the first couple of game the first couple of game weeks are, are going to tell you, and uh, you know it sort of just depends on your like perspective and in, in, as a person uh, and I think in general that the story that you find out early on tends to be a story you should be listening to last season. The story was Leeds can score. That just became very, very clear in the first couple of matches. Uh, the story a couple of years ago was that wolves were good, just like across <laughs> the board, like yeah. wolves could play, you know, and that story really bored out. And so l- look for the story and believe the story because the best, absolute best way To have a really good season is to move on players a week or two before everybody else does. And that is, I think, really where the optimism thing comes in, because if you just have a feeling or have a hunch and you make a transfer early on. um, And I mean, I've told the story. So many times in the podcast, but, you know, uh, you know, th- two seasons ago and when, when Norwich came up and, and uh, Timo pokey, uh, played away to Liverpool in game week one and scored a goal. And I thought, you know what? I think this guy could really be something. Uh, so I brought him in for the Newcastle match and he scored a hat trick. And, uh, it just really, Uh, was just a great boost to the season, right? Because uh, it was just, uh, you know, I got in, he became kind of early on a a really highly on player, but uh, you know, so you never have that long with these players. When you're hunting for the low ownership players, you only have two or three weeks before everybody brings them in and they become a high ownership player. So you really have to move quick um, or or you just kind of miss that chance to, to shoot up the rankings. All
0: right. We've got another question here from Jefferson T. You ask, who do you predict to be this season's Timo Werner? High game week one ownership, but poor performance points, sort of the opposite of Timu Puki, Josh. Uh, And also looking at players like uh, Timo Werner, who are going to be poor performers, who could have a Euro hangover. Speaking of Euro hangovers, uh, um, England fans are really hung up on what's going on with Jadon Sancho. If Jadon Sancho does Mm -hmm. make that move to Manchester United or somewhere in the Premier League, he's got to be high on my list to be this season's Timo Werner because Sancho is as good as a player as he is. And I don't think anyone's arguing that Timo Werner wasn't a great player in the Bundesliga. Uh, But yeah, what I, I don't know. I it's, it's kind of taking on faith that, that a player like Sancho would just hit the premier league running and figure out a new system right away. Maybe Sancho has a, has a, has a shorter, uh, On ramp to learning the Premier League and all that, but um, that that would be my guess. Who who for you is one that's kind of set up to fail?
1: Yeah, I mean you know it's funny because Sancho was the player that I thought of too, and and again it has nothing to do with how good of a player he is, but it's just it's just hard for a player to come into a new league and and just really bang. And you know it's it's not it's not like he's going to come in at six million, right? If he comes in, it's going to be at nine point five or or higher most likely. And so yeah. um, you know so that's it's the big price tag that 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 that's really the the issue here. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I just think there could be some players with like a Europa League hangar or two, or uh, I mean, not Europe, Europa League, of course, the Euros, 2020 Euros. And so um, I think that could be a, a problem as well. And um, uh just, you know, I think the other thing to keep an eye out for is not to um, fall into the trap of taking, like reading too much into preseason matches. Um, every year we kind of do this and there's always some player like Leroy Sané a couple of years ago who is just incredible in preseason, but it's, it turns out they look really good because all of the like absolute top players of the team are busy in European competitions <laughs> or in the Copa Americas or whatever um, and so be wary of that player too because those those players can often be disappointments as well um, all right two more questions one's from Eric Freeman he says uh, last season we had Sun, Bamford and Dallas who do you think this season's surprise stars will be let's each pick one Brandon
0: well I'm gonna go back to my Jaden Sancho call for this question because I think it's not necessarily a single player, but I do think Manchester United are ripe for a new star fantasy asset. If you do think that United are going to kick on this season, Bruno can't carry on forever uh, the way he has. And I think that there's going to be somebody who emerges. Is it going to be Rashford, Martial back healthy? I don't know. I... I'm very interested to see what happens with Manchester United at the start of the season. If you look at their their fixtures at the outset, yeah, they've uh, let's see. I'm trying to find them here, Josh. If you look at Manchester United's fixtures from the outset, Leeds, Southampton, Wolves, Newcastle, it's pretty good. So yeah. I I feel like there might be a fair amount of upside with Manchester United.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too, and I think you're right that it may not. We may not know who that player is yet. I mean, Marcus Rashford feels like a, another kind of in that bombing category, another, another bounce back player, you know, Sterling too. And there's, and there's a lot of players who maybe just got fried from just so much competition in the last 18 months or so. And, um, you know, so we'll see. I mean, I think that, you know, Rash, Rashford might end up being the real star players only 9.5 million, you know, it's so a pretty reasonable price for, for, a, you know, champions league caliber player who plays a lot of minutes too, on that side, um, my pick would be Emmy Buendia, uh, six point five million. I think there's a pretty good chance that Grealish does leave this summer, which would really open up that attacking lane for him. And I, I just see him connecting really well with with uh, with Villa. And I think that it, whether whether Grealish is there or not, I think that he can end up being really good value. Um, I like a lot of players in that squad, and you could see, I mean, Target and Cash and Watkins. There's a lot of players that you could see him linking up really well with and uh and that price i think is really appealing as well so you know i don't know if that counts as a star or not but i mean a 6.5 million player who delivers is certainly a fantasy star so i think we can we can count it and then finally uh questions from adam g brandon and Mm -hmm. we haven't talked about it we've barely talked about this guy the entire podcast he says if you (laughs) but i think we should note him just once sure because if you don't intend to start the season with harry kane what would have to happen before you bring him in? Uh,
0: probably a brace in game week one. Um, I, I think yeah. the the Kane is it's just a such a peculiar phenomenon because he had a wonderful season last season. There were moments where he was dragging near the end of the season and things were kind of like the the ground was falling out from underneath Spurs. And I don't know. I I think a question for me, and and obviously he's having a terrible Euros. That said, if Kane does get a transfer to Manchester City, is that a total game changer? Because I think it's, it's more a game changer for Kane's way of life. And we've talked about this a little bit offline, Josh, about how the the beauty of kane as a fantasy asset at spurs is that if he's fit he starts he plays all 90 if kane moves to a team like manchester city that reign is over there's no way kane plays 90 minutes week in week out i i don't think yeah. that, that 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 would continue and and suddenly you have to st- like if kane had a dip in form at spurs you could ride it out because Kane would always be the point of that attack. He would always be the man. And if attacking points came to Spurs, it would probably involve Kane. And I don't think you can say that about Kane at other clubs. So the question is twofold. Uh, what club does he play at? Uh, and, and how does he come out of the gates? He looks really tired playing for England yeah. right now. So there's just so many red flags. I feel like we have to see him kick on at the start of the season for us to even consider bringing him in.
1: It's just, it's hard to even imagine him in a man city sky blue kit. Isn't it? It's like, at least, at least when Robin Ben Percy went to man United, it was the red on red, you know, it wasn't quite as uh, <laughs> yeah, uh you know, jarring. sharp of a contrast, yeah. but yeah, it'll be very, very jarring. So yeah, I, I agree. I mean, whether he stays at Spurs or, or, or leaves um, for man city or, or elsewhere, I, I don't think um, I don't think I'll be having at the start of the season either. So yeah, uh, I mean, the, you know, if he does go to Man City, and then the, that might be a different story because you probably would have want him for that Norwich match in game week two. But let's not let's not get into game week two talk yet, Brandon. We got a long way to go before this season starts. On that note, one hour and, and forty five minutes in, Brandon, let's end this week's podcast. We're going to be back in a week and a half. We're going to, I'm actually on vacation last week, next week. I, I didn't know when this uh, season was going to, the new fantasy season was going to kick off, Brandon. And so uh, I'm going to be out of town next. Yeah. Who did? So, um, uh, the, uh, 4th of July weekend, uh, shortly thereafter, we're going to be back with, with new pods. And then once we do, we're going to be back, uh, regularly. We'll be doing pods, um, Yeah, throughout the entire season. And we're, we're going to try to mix things up a little bit this year. We've got even the, even the preseason content is going to be a little mixed up. Uh, We're going to try to um, just, just kind of freshen things up a little bit. And uh, we're also going to try to have more guests on. I know that's something that some people have, have asked about. It's something that, um, you know, we're, you and I are both planning to be working from home still, uh, at least for a few more months. So, uh, it's a good time for us to try to get some of our UK friends on the line and, and talk to them a little bit as well as our U S friends. Of course, we've actually got a guest coming up in just a couple of weeks. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll talk more about that guest, but we'll just tease that for now. <laughs> America, so, uh, Yeah. But Brandon, do you want to tease our uh, Patreon producers? Tease? Do you want to list our t- Patreon? Don't tease them; just to say their names.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you become a producer, you get more than a tease—you get the full show, and uh, that includes producers Mike DePietro, Trevor Ingerson, Chris Howell, Andy Penn, Martin Savage, Brian T, the Big Gaffer, Bobas Coon, Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, Dave Wegner, Lodal, Nick Wright, Jim Payne, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Travis West. Victor Forberg, skogang Paul Hertzig, Kaya Christine Lelang, Andy Portlock, Toothless Gibbon, Lindsey Rostel, Anton Markov, at FPL Merch, Carrie Swanson, Karen Screeton, Francis Mann, Chris Carter, Blue Nose Stew, Mikey Uwang, Bruce Kerr, Nicholas Vernadakis, Sam Schauer, Will Husby, Rich Evans, Future Media Group, FPL, Ben Sweeney, George Kinney, Shiv Morjaria, Rom Frosk, AJ, Fly You Fools, and... He's his name is so nice. I'll say it twice. Chris Carter, uh, who's back. I feel like it's when spring has sprung. You know, the new season is about to begin when Chris Carter becomes a producer patron again. And uh, like Josh said, we've got more podcasts coming. Make sure you never miss an episode. To do so, just subscribe to Always Cheating. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast. Listen, we've given you the Patreon pitch if that patreon is not your thing but you want to say thanks wish us luck for a good season go on to apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review that's awesome and if you want to keep in touch follow us on social media or wherever you get your social media and the website where we've got our merch store links to the always cheating super league which is now open for business all sorts of other stuff
1: go to alwayscheating.com. all right well thanks to everybody for listening uh, yeah, have a great summer. We'll be back in a couple weeks. And uh, yeah, we're glad the game's back too. We hope you are as well.